Um, you know, we, we like to make investments that pay off, right? The, the trick is we don't know the future, so we don't know which investments are going to pay off. For example, if I, if I told you 20 years ago that it would be a good investment to invest in the Hanson Natural Corporation, you'd be like, what? It, their stock was selling for nine cents 20 years ago. And they sold fruit juice, iced tea, and natural sodas. Until 2002, when they introduced a new drink called Monster. And in, in 2002, their sales were 92 million. 2012, it was $2 billion. And so if you had invested in the Hanson Natural Corporation 20 years ago at nine cents, today your stock would be worth $82. That is a total return of 87,560%. And so they changed their name from Hanson Natural Corporation to, to Monster, right? And now they are contributing to hyperactivity everywhere. So that was a good investment. Who knew? A bad investment, and some of you are going to have to forgive me for this, but is Ford, okay, 20 years ago. If you work for Ford, I apologize. If you love Fords, I apologize. But if you bought stock 20 years ago in Ford, you paid $29. Today it's worth $8.38. That's a net return of negative 40.3%. Who knew? I mean, who, how can you predict these, these things? I mean, it is always a risk when you make an investment. That is true with money, and that is true with people. So, so some, some of you, I know, have made the shift from accumulating money to investing in people, to pouring into people. Maybe some of you are familiar with the name Bob Buford. He wrote a book called Halftime, and he talks about the shift from success, financial success, to significance and by pouring into other people. It's what we talk about here at church when we talk about making disciples. That's what we are about as a faith community is making disciples. We've said this all the way through the book of Colossians, that we are not about trying to get people to understand principles we're not about trying to get people to do practices. We're, we're trying to get people to know a person. So we are people helping people to know a person better. That's an investment. That's a pouring into someone. But we don't know how that's going to turn out. We don't know how that's going to pay off. And so, it, and it's a very painful thing to pour yourself into another person. Whether that is spiritually speaking, or whether that's your own child in your family, whether that's uh, an employee. Some of you are here this morning, and you're, you're new to faith, and maybe you don't connect with the whole disciple-making idea, but you're probably investing somewhere in employees, and you don't know, like, how is this going to pay off? Is it going to pay off. And it's incredibly painful to pour into someone and have them then turn turn away. I've had that happen. You've, you've probably experienced that. I've, I've poured into people who turn away from me, sometimes turn away from faith. Sherry and I have mentored couples that have later gotten divorces. That's incredibly painful. But 
on the other, the flip side of that coin, it is incredibly rewarding and joy-filled when you see someone that you pour into thrive and do well and run forward in their relationship with the Lord. We're going to talk this morning about some encouragement to take the risk and pour yourself out. That's what we're going to look at in Colossians chapter 4. This morning, if you turn there with me, that'd be great. I don't hear anybody turning. This is like first service. Are you guys out there? It's almost like talking to a camera. No, it's not really. But anyway, we're in Colossians 4, starting verse 14. We are nearing the end of Colossians. We almost ended Colossians today. I map out these series like along like many months ahead of time. And so I had us mapped out to go through next week. And then I started studying this, these last few verses. And I thought, we don't, we don't need to do two more verses. It's just prolonging it. So we'll just combine it. And then I started studying the verses and digging into them. And I was like, I can't do this in one service. And so I, I split it out again. So, so next Sunday is, is our last Sunday. But here's what we're going to do next Sunday. Okay, we're going to talk about the last verse of Colossians. And we're going to transition to talking about Thanksgiving. Because there's a lot of Thanksgiving happening in the book of Colossians. So that'll be a natural segue for us. Here at the end of Colossians, Paul is sharing a lot about uh, his mission to, to build people up, to share the good news of Christ. And he is sharing that mission with people around him, with a team around him. He's pouring into a lot of people. Some of them pay off. Some of them don't. Let's start with just a recap of the fellow workers that we have seen over these last last few weeks. Starting in verse 7, Tychicus, Tychicus is described as a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. He gets pretty high billing. Verse 9, Onesimus, some dramatic backstory for him if you remember that. Verse 10, Aristarchus, Mark, verse 11, Jesus, who is called Justice. And then verse 12, Epaphras. Last week, Steve talked to us about Epaphras and talked to us about the fact that he was fervent in, in prayer. He was agonizing in personal prayer for these people in, in Colossae. All these people working alongside of Paul. It takes a team. Your team needs you. You need your, your team. And so today we're going to meet four more teammates, uh, starting in verse 14. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. All right, one of these people, four people were mentioned in here. One investment paid off, one did not, and two, the jury is, is out. We, we don't know. The first is, verse 14, Luke. Luke, the beloved physician. We, we learn more about Luke from this little casual reference than we do from anywhere else in, in the New Testament. Um, Luke, the, the name Luke is an affectionate nickname for the Roman name Lucius. And Luke is the only non-Jewish person to write a portion of, of the Bible. That's, that's pretty, pretty high billing for, for him as well. He shows up, Luke shows up as a teammate of Paul's in the book of, of Acts. 
and he's a traveling companion of Paul. He accompanies Paul on his journey, his, his ship journey to Rome, which ends in a shipwreck, and he, he almost dies. He is a faithful, loyal companion to Paul, and he shows up in three, three times in Paul's letters. He goes on to write the Gospel of Luke. You've probably heard of that. He also wrote the Acts of the Apostles, which was the sequel to the Gospel of Luke, which those two books together make up 28% of the New Testament. So think about this. If you wrote something and it survived for 2,000 years and it is a part of the best-selling book of all time, I, I think you could say that's, that's pretty cool. And the content happens to be about the most important person who ever lived. I think you could say that's pretty successful. I think Paul would look at Luke and say whatever he invested in Luke paid off big time. Enormous impact that he had. Now, contrast that with Demas, verse 14. Demas also shows up three times in Paul's letters. And in Philemon, verse 24, he is called a fellow worker. So, so that's good. That, that's a good thing. Um, here in Colossians, there is no descriptor. He's just Demas. And then in 2 Timothy, we, we read this. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Luke alone is with me. So here's the heartbreak. Here's the heartbreak when you invest in someone and, and they turn away. Paul, in the book of Second Timothy, this is near the end of his ministry, probably the last book that, that he wrote. He's reflective. He's, he's poured himself out into to both of these men, Luke and, and Demas. He's fought side by side with them for, for the faith. One goes the distance and one does not. And, and Paul doesn't know this when he's writing the book of Colossians. He doesn't know how, how things are going to turn out. He's just faithfully pouring himself in to, to both of these men and others around him. And what he's doing, he's modeling for us that we should pour out no matter how things turn out. We should just pour ourselves out, even though we don't know what the result is going to be of the investment that we make. We should pour ourselves out in obedience because it's what God calls us to do. We, we don't know which investments are going to pay off when it comes to people. And, and we can do our homework and we can make informed decisions. We, we can look at the, the person and assess how do we think they're going to do. Um, may, maybe you've heard of the, the acronym FAT. You want to choose fat people to invest in, faithful, available, and teachable. Um, that, that's a good idea. I mean, one, one issue with that is that if you find somebody who's faithful, available, and teachable, they're probably pretty far along in their faith in order to be faithful, available, and teachable. So if you only pick people like that, then they're, you're probably not catching them at the beginning when they really, really, really need somebody pouring into them. But even if you did, even if you did find someone who's faithful, available, and teachable, there's no guarantee that they're going to turn out well. So, so we can use our brain. We should use our brain. We should pray and ask the Lord to direct our steps to people to pour ourselves into. But in the end, we, we, we don't know 
how it's, it's going to turn out. We, we just need to pour ourselves out generously. Um, Paul talks about this in, in 2 Corinthians 9. He's talking about money, but this applies in, in every area of life. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So, if, we are, if we're sowing seeds to, to raise a crop, then, you know, you, you could just sow one seed at a time. But, I mean, if you only sow one seed, then your, your chances are, you know, I mean, what it may grow, it may, it may not grow. So we could sow just one seed, but it's better if you sow more than one seed. Let's, let's sow two seeds. Let's sow three. Let's sow four. Let, let's sow a bunch of seeds, and then let's take care of them. Let's water them. Let's pour into to them. I mean, Paul talks about this, too, in Second Timothy, again, near the end of his ministry. He says, he says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. He's being poured out. Here's what strikes me as I think about being poured out. I, I'm pouring this water, and then I can't see it anymore. It's gone. You, you, you can't see it. It's, it's, hopefully it's doing something, but whatever it's doing, I can't see and so I pour myself out, and it soaks into the ground, and then it may or may not bring about a, a return of fruitfulness. That's really not up to me. That's really, that's really up to God, what he's going to cause to grow. It, it is tempting when we are pouring into another person, we're investing in somebody else. It's tempting to kind of hold back which is really a, a self-protection. It's, it's tempting sometimes to hold back because we're like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know if, if, if this person is really getting it. I, I don't know if they're really going to be faithful. It's tempting to, to hold back. But when we do that, we, we are not being obedient. And so what, what, we, what we do to pour into others, there's all kinds of ways to pour into others. We, we want to encourage them. Be involved in their lives. Listen to what's going on in, in, their, in their struggles. Um, sometimes give them a financial boost if they're hitting a, a difficult spot. Be available for counsel. I mean, all of these are ways to pour into and just share the, the ups and the downs of, of life. And it is really hard if you do all of that and you make yourself that vulnerable and that available and they walk away. But if that happens, you are not a failure. You are not, God will not judge you and measure you by someone else's obedience or disobedience. He's going to measure you by your obedience or your disobedience. And what he calls us to do is to make disciples, to pour ourselves out, to pour out no matter how it turns out. Because we don't know. We don't know how it's going to turn out. Only he, he knows. The unglamorous reality of pouring yourself out is that you will have some Luke's and you'll have some Demas's. And some of the people that you think will be a Luke are going to end up as a Demas. 
And some of the people that you suspect are a Demas. Some of, some of the people you look at, and you're like, yeah, I really don't know about this one. They're going to end up going on and becoming a Luke. God is just calling us to invest, just like Paul is doing at this point in Colossians 4, before he knows how it all turns out, to pour out no matter how things turn out. Verse 15. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. little note about Nympha here. There's debate over whether this is a male or a female. It usually gets translated Nympha as a female. Not really sure. We don't, we just, we don't know anything else other than whoever this is, and, and let's assume it was a female. She opened up her home to house the church. This was a house church in Laodicea. Laodicea is about 11 miles from Colossae, so, so very nearby, probably a larger town than Colossae was. And so Paul says this in verse 16, when this letter, he's talking about this letter to you guys in Colossae, when it's been read among you there in Colossae, have it have this same letter also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. So, so here again, we know that one letter survived. We know the letter to Colossae survived because we, we've been studying it and people have been studying it for 2,000 years. The letter to Laodicea, we think probably is lost. I say probably because it's possible that it's another one of the letters in the New Testament that was a circular letter was going around to, to different churches. That's possible. But let's assume that it was lost and we don't have it. Here's Paul again pouring himself out writing encouragement, writing to build up these two churches. One survives, one does not. He's pouring himself out no matter how that turns out. And don't miss, oh, actually, we do know this. We do know that there is a letter to Laodicea that survived. We find that in the book of Revelation. So there is a letter that got to Laodicea, and it was very fruitful because the warnings in the letter to Laodicea, we won't take the time to read that right now, but the warnings there, apparently, they heeded because that city survived for quite a while after that and thrived. Don't miss the exhortation here in verse 16. Paul says, when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodicea and see that you read their letter too. Paul is saying, it is worthwhile for you to sit under the, the teaching that Paul has laid out for us. That is worthwhile investment. And not just to do that on your own by yourself, but to do that, to gather together exactly like we have been doing. He says that's worthwhile. That is a primary way that we keep from ending up as a Demas is when we sit under the teaching of Paul and in the scriptures. The last verse we're going to look at today, 17. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. We don't, we don't know much about Archippus. He shows up one other place in the book of Philemon. We don't know what this ministry was that we, that he was given. He was just called to be faithful, to, to stay faithful and fulfill his ministry. We don't know how that turns out. We know that Luke was faithful. We know that Demas was not. Archippus, jury is out. We'll have to find out in eternity. We, we don't know. Just like 
you don't know how things are going to turn out with the person that you're pouring into. But the encouragement to us is to keep pouring out no matter, no matter how things turn out. I want to end with just celebrating some of the pouring out that is going on here at Grace Point. A couple of examples. One, one is in our M&M's ministry, part of our, our women's ministry. For, for 10 years now, moms have been paired up. So, so we have a mentor mom and a mentee mom. And they are, they're working together. They're building each other up. This is not just a one-way street, but it's, a, it's someone who's a, a little bit further along in their walk with the Lord, building into someone else. And this has not always been successful. It's not always been fruitful. The, the investment doesn't always pay off. I know there, there's one situation, at least, where there was a, a mentor who was just so ready to pour into someone. She's just like, yeah, let me, let me add it. Let's, let's do this mentee. Just never returned phone calls. I mean, she signed up, so she indicated she was interested, but never returned phone calls, was never available to get together. That just, that just never happened. But you can contrast that with many, many other stories where mentors poured into, and, and one, we had one recent one that's just kind of a thrill where uh, a mentee went through this process and then she ended up coming right out and then she's now mentoring others. She's mentoring young, young ladies and, and teenagers. And so huge fruitfulness. We just, you never know. You know, how, we, we don't know how our investments are going to pay off. And this is not the only place that mentoring is happening in, in the M&Ms. There's, I know there's a lot of you who are just in one-on-one relationships and small groups with others. Our men's ministry uh, just recently started two groups of radical mentoring for, for the intentional purpose of, of pouring into each other and growing together. So a lot, a lot of pouring out going in. Are, are you pouring into someone? Here's my, my challenge to you is to prayerfully consider who God has in your sphere of influence right now or maybe ask God to bring someone into your sphere of influence that you could pour into. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, because wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's somebody else who is is, uh, earlier in their spiritual journey than you are. And that's someone that you can pour into. And maybe you're pouring into someone already. Can I just encourage you, remind you, don't hold back. Don't hold back. Just pour yourself out and trust God with the results and the fruitfulness. So here's what I encourage you to do. Pray pray over that. As the Lord brings a name to mind, then I encourage you just to reach out to them. And, and don't reach out to them with like, hey, you know, I'm the solution to all of your problems. Let me help you with, with life. I mean, that, this, again, this is a back and forth. But, but reach out to someone and say, hey, you know, I see your life. I see that you're in this stage of life. Maybe you have children or I see your job is really taxing on you. Um, is there any way I can support you? How can I support you? How can I encourage you? And maybe invite them to do a devotional with you. So, I mean, you can do that on version. Great, great opportunity to do that and share what you're learning. Read a book together. 
say, hey, let's like connect once a month. And maybe you do that over coffee or lunch if you're comfortable with doing that, or maybe you're not comfortable, so do it virtually. Do it, do it on a Zoom. But say, hey, let's, let's read this book together. Let's read a chapter a month and let's, let's talk about it. What, what are you learning? What is God teaching you through this? And you're, you're pouring out, making yourself available for another person. It is that, to do that is risky. Some of the people you pour into, they're going to turn out as a Demas. But some of them, some of them are going to be Luke's. Let's pray. Father, thank you for calling us into your mission of helping people know Christ and helping them grow to become more fully committed followers of Christ. Thank you for, thank you that we can play a role in that. And Lord, sometimes that's a painful role because we can invest ourselves in someone and have it not pay off. But Lord, um, Lord, help us have the courage and the stamina to be faithful to what you've called us to regardless of how things turn out. That's not up to us. What's up to us is to be faithful to what you have, have called us to. And so, Lord, I pray that you would multiply a work through our church family of people pouring into and investing in particularly the next generation after us, people who, um, who, who need to be built up in their faith, who need to be encouraged, who need to be helped over the hurdles of life. Lord, help us to pour ourselves out to make that sacrifice. And Lord, would you take those sacrifices and would you multiply them in fruitfulness for your kingdom that would then multiply into someone else. Lord, do, do a work among us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.